0: Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor.
1: Welcome to another hour of provocative inquiry. Even if we are a few minutes getting on the air here, a few minutes late, I should say. This hour is designed to inform and enlighten. This is an hour for the open-minded because the next hour is dedicated to exploring the nature of our universe. Our consciousness, the power of our thoughts and intentions... How and why they interact, and if they do, all in our attempt at understanding what it means to be human, what forces act upon us and why, what we can expect of ourselves and others, what is meant by free will or the limitation thereof, and why any and all of this might just matter. In our effort to grasp exactly what enlightenment means and what it is to be enlightened. We make it a point to admit in the beginning that there are many human limitations, some we know and some we might not be aware of, and therefore we acknowledge that everything we have thought we knew just might be wrong. In this way, each week we undertake anew our search and discovery of the human potential in hopes that we may truly expand our awareness. Okay, last week our guest was Caroline Sutherland. She shared her gift as a medical intuitive We decided that medical intuitive was combined training with a special form of intuition that for all intent and purposes, I suppose, can be thought of as tapping into a form of psychic ability. Well, I saw my dentist this past week and asked for an opinion about medical intuitives. The answer followed a puzzled look and went like this. Quote, you mean people that guess about medical conditions, end quote. I remember reading something astronaut Edgar Mitchell wrote years ago. Paraphrased, it went something like this. Quote, there is no such thing as paranormal, just very large gaps in our knowledge of what we call normal. quote. I thought of this quote when I answered my dentist. And I said to him, you know, many MDs are medical intuitives. And that fell on silence. The conversation was dropped and we went on to more important things like the Super Bowl. Well, more important, I guess, to some. <laughs> now to our letters. Each week, we read some of your letters on the air acknowledging your feedback and influence over the direction of our show. I truly appreciate your letters. Akiko wrote, I love your show on Hay House Radio. Explanation, explanation. Well, now that's pithy, and I love that. You love it, Akiko. Pam from Canada wrote, your knowledge and show on Hay House is incredibly enlightening. Keep it coming, medicine for our souls thank you so much well thank you Pam we do want to show that is both challenging and inspiring for I do believe that this this is a yoga of sorts yoga of the intellect or what is formerly known as nana yoga nana yoga is the path of wisdom the nana yoga constantly discriminates between the unreal and the real the not self and the self this path requires getting past the illusions foisted upon us by our enculturation process and nurtured by us when we turn away from the deeper inner truths. Indeed, my Hay House books, Choices and Illusions, Mind Programming, and my newest, What Does That Mean?, are all about self-discovery, wiping away the false, and getting to the true quintessential self that is the miracle you are, the miracle we all are. Now, Georgina wrote, I would like you to know that your books, *Choices* and Illusion and Mind Programming, are the most enlightening books I have ever read. Well, thank you, Georgina. That is a big compliment. Joanna wrote, Heldon, I love your website. I've been listening to all of your archives. Thank you so much for all your work. I only wish your show was longer than an hour. Many blessings to you and Ravinder. You know, Joanna... We're thinking about how we might make that show longer in an hour, because we often have guests that you could just you could go two and three hours. In fact, we have George Nury coming up uh, in April, and George Nury, as you know, is the host of uh, Coast to Coast I am. His shows go nearly all night. I've been a three-hour guest on his show. It'll be really fascinating because this man is like has encyclopedic knowledge of so many different areas and is on onto a new book, something you'll be really interesting interested in. Now John wrote, you are among a select few who publicly know about who have woken from this dream we call life. As most of us merely row our boats down the stream of life, we are completely unaware that there is a current carrying us along. Some of us struggle to row upstream, some to shore, some hit rocks, and everyone is confused by this mysterious force which propels us along in time. We generally lack perspective. Your works add to this rich tapestry of reality, and one cannot underscore the importance of questioning everything we think we know. I now live by the dictum that nothing is as it seems and nothing is as it appears. End quote. Wow, thanks, John. I'll try to live up to that. We will with this show. Sandra from New Mexico wrote, What a generous spirit you must have to offer this kind of gift to the world. Sandra is referring to the MP3 Intertalk programs that we make available to you as our pay-it-forward offering these programs use our patented and proven effective intertalk technology. They are not samples, this is the real deal and you can get them by going to eldentaylor.com. Follow the link titled free programs. Enjoy, use them. Dennis wrote, I have read many mind programming. I have read mind programming and listened to forgiving and letting go. I want to say thank you so very much. There have been so many positive life changes for me since finding Eldon's books and CDs. Thank you again, Eldon. All right, thank you, Denise, and that's Denise, not Dennis. I'm, I'm sorry, I apologize. And thank you, uh, all of you out there. The title Denise is referring to, Forgiving and Letting Go, is, in my opinion, the single most important step one can take toward genuine self-improvement. And I solely believe that where it comes from, it, it is the most important place that you can start. Uh, at a time it was our best-selling program it's now yours free uh it is one of those free mp3s that you can download right now at absolutely no cost to you and if you prefer the cd you can get it free as well but you do have mailing charges that apply that's forgiving and letting go okay that's all the time we have for letters this week but i do want you to know that i try to read them all and i do sincerely appreciate your feedback For the past several weeks, we have promised today's show to you. This is your week to play radio host. Our guest today is none other than Lynn McTaggart, and our subject is her wonderful book, The Intention Experiment. For the past three weeks, we have been priming you for this show, so I hope you are ready. We will try to give each of you at least five minutes to ask your questions. Please try and make them largely relevant to all of us as opposed to personal in nature. So you can go to your lines now by calling toll-free 1-866-254-1579. And international callers can dial the country code, then 760-918-4300. So we're going to see how this works beginning this week, and hopefully we have a book-a-month program like this every month in the future because it will be a success. Now a little bit about our delightful guest. Lynn McTaggart is a journalist and was born in 1951. She is married to the publisher Brian Hubbard. She is an award-winning and best-selling author of five books. They are What Doctors Don't Tell You, Kathleen Kennedy, Her Life and Times, The Cancer Handbook, and the international best-selling sensations The Field and The Intention Experiment. She is an internationally recognized spokesperson on the science of spirituality. It is our pleasure to welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Lynn McTaggart. Welcome to the show, Lynn.
0: Hi there, Eldon. Nice to be here.
1: Well, I'm glad you are, too. I can't tell you how glad I am to have you here today, and I'm very, very glad that we were able to make the connection, and and even if we were a little late getting to the show, get you here, because we've been telling our audience now for three weeks about your your work, about your book, and about today is we're doing two things today. We not only have you as a special guest, but we are also, as you probably heard from the intro, the setup piece, we're also doing something for the first time. We're allowing our callers to play host on the radio station. So to that end, before I even think about asking you many of the long questions that I have here, in fairness, we're going to let Diane on line one play host, and begin this entire show. Are you up to that, Lynn?
0: Uh, That's lovely. Thank you.
1: All right. Okay. Diane, you're on the air with Lynn McTaggart.
0: Fantastic.
2: So great to speak with you both. I'm calling because I have been able to set intentions for numerous things, uh, for jobs that I didn't even know existed. I would leave the job, profess that I was going to this place who I didn't even know was going to hire me, and sure enough, they hired me at the date and time I said they would. However, I am um, trying – well, I shouldn't say trying – I am working on manifesting a, my soulmate, a soulmate, a partner, a husband, a marriage, I don't know, whatever you'd like to call it. And I was just wondering if there are any tips that you would be able to share with me to manifest that quickly.
0: Absolutely. Um First of all, um, in my book, The Intention Experiment, um, I was keen to to put together all the science of intention because I have a uh, journalistic background and I like facts and I like demonstrating proof. So when it came to trying to figure out how to do intention, I spoke to many intention masters like master healers, Buddhist monks, Qigong masters to find out what they do to do all of their amazing things, like, you know, lying on a bed of nails or being able to move at their body temperature up and down to amazing degrees. And uh, I found certain peculiarities to different people and different cultures. But most of what they were talking about boiled down to certain basic techniques. So I tried to distill out of all of their uh, differences some commonalities and a common thread and I created from that a, a program I call Powering Up. And I call it Powering Up because most of these intention masters describe to me a mental state that wasn't calm and relaxed like meditation, but very focused, highly focused, and energized. And in fact, when some of these guys were studied, they found that, in the case of, say, Buddhist monks, that their brains were working harder and faster than they do in ordinary waking consciousness when they're in this state of intention. So the first thing I would suggest is that you uh, create, you get into a very meditative state, and you engage in a very high degree of focus and be very specific Who is it you would like to marry? And I mean be very specific. Make a whole notation of exactly who this person is. And in your intention state, start imagining him with all of your five senses. What does he look like? What does he smell like? What does he sound like? You know, all of your five senses. And continue to do that every time you send your intention. Now, that's just one of many of the things that I talk about in Powering Up and in my book, but that's one of the the more important things. And the other thing is sending intention isn't about sending it out through your head. It's about sending it out through your heart. So the other thing is when you send your intention out, send it out from there, not from your mind. Okay.
1: Well, thank you for the call, Diane.
2: I appreciate it. Thank you so much
1: our pleasure listen uh, before we take another call Lynn, and i'm looking at uh, some of the comments here you've got several callers here what you were just talking about uh, you expand on in your book and and correct me if i'm wrong because i'm pulling this from memory but i believe it was a sarah laser that was working with herbert benson and this concentrated uh intention led to enlarging certain areas of the brain is that correct
0: you're absolutely right eldon thank you for that um, that was great—a bit of great memory recall. Um, she had done some really interesting work after the some of the uh, studies looking at these Buddhist monks, showing that they seem to have larger aspects of their brain, like happiness portions. So she wanted to that there was like a bigger lighting up of that part of the brain. So she actually did studies looking at. Um, MRI looking using function uh, using magnetic uh, imagery and looking at the size of those parts of their brain and they, she found even with uh, novice meditators only after a few weeks these um, parts of their brain got larger so from that I inferred I mean they were looking at um, certain things like concentration, or in the case of Buddhist monks, the happiness portion of their brains and the helpful portion of their brains enlarged. And so from that, I infer that if you use intention a lot, that portion of your brain is going to enlarge too.
1: And it actually thickens. That's what you mean by enlarge. Yeah. Uh, we've got callers that have great questions for you, but we... We didn't set this show up. I was expecting that we'd have hosts on the other end, and that's great. I, You know, I'm, I am welcome all the calls for whatever they are. But we're, I'm getting a lot of chat out of the chat room that says uh, they'd like to know a little bit more about you, you know, how you became involved in this, this area of uh, – if you will science and sure. spirituality
0: well first of all i have to tell everybody out there that i'm never going to forgive you eldon for giving out my birth date and so everyone knows exactly <laughs> how old i am
1: <laughs> well i'm sorry about that but you look I so much teasing. younger you know that uh, that's no, a credit right, to you it's
0: right on wikipedia and i make no secret of it so it's okay no problem i i have left um I fell into this really by accident. Um, I always wanted to be a journalist. I was very interested in journalism because my heroes growing up were Woodward and Bernstein because I saw that you know journalism was powerful as the fourth estate and could bring down a corrupt president. And of course, I grew up in America. You can hear that from my accent. So right. even though I live in I live in Europe now, I live in in England. Um, so, I grew up wanting to be a journalist, and I started out my journalistic career uh, doing investigative reporting. So, early on in my career, I exposed a big baby selling ring. I posed as an unwed mother and then as an adoptive parent and got inside this baby selling ring. And I did those kinds of stories for a while. And then uh, I began writing books. I'd written a book about baby-selling, and, and then I did a biography of one of the Kennedys, and that brought me over to the UK. And I ended up falling in love with this place, and I moved over here and then met my husband, and that was it. And I, I stayed and started putting down roots here. And early on then, early in my 30s, I got ill, and I couldn't find anybody to figure out what was wrong with me. So I began researching it when, after going to everybody from very conventional doctors to the very outer rim of alternative doctors. And um, I couldn't find anyone to, to figure out what was wrong with me. So I finally researched it myself, figured out what I thought I had, found the person I thought could sort me out. And he did. Um, he was a very forward-thinking nutritional doctor. But the whole experience was so heady that I started getting very interested in writing about medicine and health and writing about, you know, new areas of what works and what doesn't work in medicine. And so that caused me and my husband, who's also a journalist, to launch What Doctors Don't Tell You, which is um, which is a newsletter I've been doing 20, for 20 years. And it's the one book you didn't mention, That is, I've also written a book called What Doctors Don't Tell You, uh, just about, as I say, what works and what doesn't work in modern medicine. No, so I mentioned I'm, that, didn't I? Because I think you mentioned the cancer handbook, but this is just no, one of No, I did. I did. No I,
1: I mentioned what doctors don't tell oh, you. Did but okay, you, oh, I, you thank know, you pick and my on me. Go on, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> Not at all. Thank you. I bet you did do the whole thing. Um, <laughs> so uh, so we were doing this for a, for a long time, and in the course of doing that, I study the medical literature. I, I, I look at this every week. And in in the course of doing that, I began to wonder about many studies I was coming across that found um, uh, that things like spiritual healing and acupuncture have good evidence of working. So I kept thinking to myself, well, if that's true, if you can actually send a thought to someone else, which is what spiritual healing is, and make that person better just by your thoughts, then that completely undermines everything and overthrows everything that we think about how the world works.
1: Yeah, we're coming up on a hard break here. So we'll pick that up when we get back. You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment. We're talking with Lynn McTaggart about the power of intention. You can follow the links under Provocative Enlightenment on eldentaylor.com. To Lynn's websites, videos, books, and other work, the book is the power of intention a great read we'll be right back after these words from our friends
3: do you feel like you've become lost in a funhouse, only seeing the reflection of yourself past future and present but unable to find the real you i invite you to step through the doorway and onto the path leading to understanding of your mind your choices and the influences that surround you Read Elton Taylor's New York Times best-selling book, Choices and Illusions, now expanded, updated, and revised. It will provide you with real-life examples of how you can break free from your current perceptions and begin your journey to how high is up. Get your copy today from all bookstores or online from Amazon.com or Barnes and Noble. Close your eyes. Imagine your goals and dreams. What's preventing you from accomplishing them? Most often, we are our own worst enemies. I can't. I'm not good enough. It's time to reprogram that inner dialogue. Replace all those negative self-images with, I'm good. I am powerful. I can do anything. Eldon Taylor's InnerTalk patented subliminal technology does just that. Researched at numerous universities such as Stanford, and by governments such as Mexico and Germany, InterTalk has repeatedly been proven effective at changing your self-talk. Stop imagining your goals and make them a reality today. Visit www.intertalk.com. That's i-n-n-e-r-t-a-l-k.com. InterTalk.com.
0: Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor.
1: Welcome back. Now, if you just joined us, I'm Eldon Taylor, and my guest today is Lynn McTaggart, and we're discussing how consciousness underpins everything, how the power of intention moves the world of shoes and ships and sealing wax. We left off with her discovery that spiritual methods worked. You want to pick it up from there, Lynn?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that um, what happened then was I got really interested in, um, in how this could be and what was the mechanism, because as I say, understanding that something like spiritual healing works and has evidence completely undermines um, the way we think the world works. So I went on a quest. I thought I would find an easy answer to this. I would just talk to some frontier scientists. And they would be able to explain this to me, and they would talk about something like human energy fields, and, you know, I could write this up, and that would be the end of it. But before long, I realized that by talking to them, I was witness to a new science in the making, that a revolution was occurring right before my eyes, and that these guys and women were involved, each of them, in putting together a new piece of the puzzle that together compounded into a very new uh, view of the world, and very new view of who we are. So uh, I was quite dumbfounded by it all, and I wrote up the book, which became my book, The Field. Uh, And it was...
1: Incredible book, by the way. Absolutely. I I can't tell. I've probably given away... I don't know, 50, 60 copies of that oh, book. It is a great you, read. All of you out there read this book. It pushes the pushes the edge of the fabric of what we call a paradigm.
0: Oh, Go on, I'm sorry. Thank you so much. No, not at all. That's so kind of you to say. So, as I, say I don't say you know, kind
1: things, but I do tell the truth.
0: <laughs> thank you, Eldon. Um, I, I was just kind of dumbfounded by this because... Um, I recognized that each of these largely anonymous people were really, as I say, creating a revolution. They were remaking our world. So I, I, uh, I put that together, but I really felt there was some unfinished business after the book was published. I knew that many of these, these scientists had implied by their work that intention and consciousness... Is a substance outside of our brains, as a fa- in effect, and it has, and with the ability to traverse our bodies and affect physical matter. So the journalist in me, the hard fact gatherer in, in me, wanted to know how. You know, what is this thing we call intention? You know, and how do you do intention? You know, and is it does it, it, it does it magnify the more people do it? You know, the more we get minds together thinking the, the same thought, does that make it more powerful? Right. So all of these things I wanted to know. So I started researching intention and um, for another book. And I was particularly interested in the whole power of group mind, but I couldn't find much evidence about it. There was some very tantalizing stuff. Uh, transcendental meditation people had done some interesting things suggesting that when lots of people are meditating, the crime rate goes down, for instance. But there was nothing conclusive. So my husband turned to me one night and said, well, why don't you do these experiments yourself? And that sounded really kind of crazy to me because I'm not a scientist. I'm just a science writer. And, you know, the last time I did an experiment was probably in 10th grade biology class. But then I started thinking about it and I thought, hmm, maybe I have a lot of elements to pull this off, because the field came out in about 20 different languages and was very popular around the world, and I also, by that time, knew lots and lots of scientists. So I thought to myself, well, if I put this together and I have these uh, experiments on the web, we'll have the biggest global laboratory in the world, and so that's what we do. Aside from writing about the science of intention, my book, *The Intention Experiment*, in a sense is a living book because we're running experiments all the time with our readers,
1: testing. Right. And we want to the get to some of those too, like the the wine into water experiment. But let's take a call. We have uh, uh, we have a particularly interesting call on line three. Michael from Minnesota. Michael. Michael,
4: hello. you have a question, a comment for Lynn McTaggart, sir. Yes, I do. Thank you for taking your call. Lynn, I was diagnosed in 2008 with uh, lung cancer, small cell lung cancer. Mm-hmm. and I went and had thirty-three radiation treatments in three days. It was an experimental thing, and then the next month, my mother passed away, so I didn't go back for four months to have a PET scan done. I had a PET scan done, and it metastasized into my lymph nodes, and I had gone to six oncologists, and I've been on radiation therapy for two year, a year now, and mm-hmm. found out a month ago that my... Uh, cancer is terminal and I was never told by my doctor until I came right out and asked him because I figured if I was on chemotherapy I'd go into remission, or it would cure my cancer and he told me that he, I, he couldn't cure my cancer. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering if you're a little bit knowledgeable about and I went for a second opinion and I got the same answer but I'm afraid mm-hmm. to ask what stage it's in and I don't know if I should be preparing myself for my death or I'm so confused.
0: Okay, well first of all um, I think he's wrong, and anybody's wrong, in ever saying anything is terminal, because I don't think any doctor um, can can forecast who is going to respond to the challenge of illness and who is not. So unless he's got a crystal ball, he can't really say that your cancer is terminal. Um, he can only say, you know, we can't do anything more for it. That doesn't mean it's terminal. That just means modern medicine can't fix it. Got it. So... I would suggest one thing um, for you to, to think about. One is that there were many, my mother-in-law had supposedly end-state cancer and was given three months to live. And we took her to a doctor, a medical doctor, who used alternative treatments. He used high-dose vitamin C and hydrogen peroxide that she had taken, um, you know, she took intravenously. And she went for regular treatments like that. And her cancer was completely turned around. Um, so there so are there all is. kinds oh. of systems like that that are working. There are many, many frontier doctors, just like frontier scientists, doing all kinds of amazing things with cancer. Now, the person to talk your, to your work, is people is against a, cancer.
4: in your, um,
0: your handbook
4: on cancer? What oh, was can, the name of it, cancer?
0: Um, I would, you could read my cancer handbook. Cancer you can handbook. also go to a guy called Frank Weewel who is, people against cancer you can google him he's in the US people, he has against, an or- cancer. people against cancer okay. he has an organization that is connected with all of these cancer um, pioneers and he if you call him you can set up a two-hour appointment with him and he'll provide you with a complete laundry list of everything you can do oh, that that's really and people you can go to based it's on so he'll, he'll look 18. at your he he'll, he'll take your pathology reports and give them to these doctors who are all credible pioneer doctors who will look at them and say, this is the best treatment for this cancer at this stage. Got it. And could you spell his last name? We will. It's W-I-E-W-A-L. People Against Cancer. He's right online. If you look at that website, and you'll see there's people against cancer in the U.S. People Against Cancer, Germany. Got it. And both of those guys are two of the most knowledgeable people on the planet. Oh, thank you
4: so much, Lynn. It gave me some hope because, yes.
1: Before you go, uh, this show is about intention. It is about the power of the mind. Yes. And, and all of these things that Lynn just told you, they're absolutely, you know, I, that's what I would do if I were you. But I want you, before you get off the air to leave your details with the board we ran a study years ago with terminally ill patients we utilized a cancer program it's just an audio recording it's a cd it's designed to change the way you're talking to yourself how you manage stress other things have been associated with with cancer i can tell you this a third of the patients overall in that study were in remission three years later Every single patient that believed the mind had a role in wellness and whose physician believed mind had a role in wellness was in remission. That study you can read is called an oncology report at my website, ProgressiveAwareness.org. It'll be under the research papers. You give the D, your mailing details to the board before you get off the line, and I'll see you get a copy of that CD.
4: Oh, thank you so much, Elden. I really, really do appreciate that. Uh, and indeed, our pleasure, and I expect to question. see you
1: call us a year from now, Michael.
0: Oh, thank you so much, and thank you to both of you. I really do appreciate it. Okay. I'm going to also say one final thing, Michael, which is, if you write into my website, um, theintentionexperiment.com, we'll put you on as an intention of the week. We do intentions of the week where my entire community sends an intention for wellness to oh. people with health challenges, and we'd be delighted to do it with you.
4: Oh, that's so great. Thank you so much. I appreciate everything. And God All bless right, you be sure and hold
1: on, Michael. Oh, Don't yeah, go away. You hold on.
4: I will. God bless uh, both of you.
1: Uh, and you too, my friend too. Lynn. I was going to offer that. I am really glad you brought that in because, <laughs> you know, you do do that on your site, and there are some really pretty wonderful testimonies that have come about uh, as a result of that. It, that's part of your ongoing experiments. Of well, let's take another call, uh, James, online too from Brooklyn, New York. Oh, I'm sorry. That's oh, say your name for me. Is that your meal? Yeah, Jamal. Jamel. Jamel, I, yeah. I apologize. You're on, right. you're on the air with Lynn McTaggart. What can we do for you today?
2: Wow. Um, well, first I want to say hi to you, Mr. Taylor and Mr. McTaggart. Um, uh, I'm, well, I just was calling because, you know, I believe in intention, and I'm sort of new to it. And I was wondering if I can get a couple of tips on how to focus that, especially when um, you're dealing with demanding parents and, Siblings and all this stuff is going crazy. How to not sort of? Because um, I mean, my tension now is with pain. Like I'm, I'm so fearful of everything that it, it manifests in pain in my body. And I'm trying to, I want to flip it. I want to turn around so I could be healthy and, and not be so stressed.
0: hmm Okay. Um, one of the simplest ways to develop that focus. First of all, you got to find yourself some an intention space so that you're not in the middle of whatever craziness is going on in your house or your home environment, you've got that little safe haven. And you go to it all the time, whenever you're wanting to send intention, because there's been some scientific evidence showing that when intention is carried out in the same place or when they do it in scientific conditions, it starts working faster and better over time. So first you find your little intention space. And then in terms of focusing yourself, uh, one of the ways to do that is to start practicing being very mindfully present. And that means whenever you're going about your day, and this is just your little practice exercise for when you do do your intention in your intention space, whenever you're going about your day, take a moment, take 10 minutes to be completely aware with every, five bit of, you know, every one of your five senses what you're doing. Let's say you're eating your cornflakes. Be totally present in that moment. What does it taste like? What does it feel like when it goes down your throat, cascades down your throat? What does it smell like? What is the touch of it? You know, all of that, all of your five senses, listen to it. What does it sound like? And just be present to to what's going on. Now, when you're practicing that kind of focus, it's the same kind of focus you're going to want to use with your five senses when you're sending an intention.
4: When uh-huh.
0: in, in a, We just ran a big intention experiment last weekend, and I asked people to imagine with their five senses not only lowering pH of water, which was what our experiment was, but imagining it turning into wine. Imagine what it tastes like and smells like and looks like, and... So, when you use those five senses, you're bringing more. You're bringing all of your awareness to your intention. So, that's one little exercise. There's plenty more in my book, lots of other things I could say. But one of the most important things, as I mentioned early, is just developing this really high degree of focus.
2: Uh huh.
1: Okay, okay, Jamal. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Uh, then we have a, a really interesting question out of the, the chat room here, and uh, before we go to another call, it ties into something that I wanted to talk to you about today, and that that's the coherence that can be developed uh, by way of resonance between people in brain waves, heart waves, etc., and I know you cover some of that in your book, so let's take this question and then well, let's see how you answer it, okay? Okay. This is from Goth Girl PHX, okay? I have a question <laughs> <laughs> that I've never heard anyone ask or address. If I may, why can you not exert your power of intention and manifestation on another person?
0: Okay, well, the answer is you can exert your power <laughs> of intention on another person. Right. Um, there have been some very interesting studies, and, and I'll try to address both your questions. Because, Eldon, you bring up something really interesting, the whole idea of coherence. Um, there have been lots of studies showing when two people, when one person sending intention to somebody else, it's felt in the other person's body. Um, they did some really interesting studies at the Institute of Noetic Sciences um, uh, with partners, where one of the partners was ill with cancer. And they'd have them in two different rooms. Um, hooked up to all kinds of stuff, monitoring their physiological, you know, um, processes. And they found that when the whale partner was sending loving, healing intention to the ill, um, both of them began their heart rates, their brain waves, their skin conductance, uh, breathing all started mirroring each other. And there have been many other studies showing that when two people are doing things together or when they have intention or one is trying to send something to somebody else telepathically, their brainwaves start going in concert. And moreover, what they oftentimes find is that the person who is more together, more coherent, if you will, um, the person who is calmer and more focused, will be able to influence the, the less focused person, to become more focused. And so there is that exertion of intention. We're always affecting other people all the time. I mean, one of the things that, one of the big mistakes people make all the time is thinking that intention is the power thought. You know, the thing that we have for just a half an hour when we're in our little meditative state. We send out our intention to the universe and the universe hears and it doesn't hear anything else going on the rest of our day. But the fact is that we are, in a sense, like leaky buckets. We're sending intention all the time. The science shows that we're sending out a tiny current of light emissions all the time. Uh, All living things are. And not only that, but other living things are responding back. There's a little conversation going on that's happening aside from any other conversations we're having. And so... We are beaming out information all the time with every breath we take, including our thoughts. So I always say that, you know, every thought you hold, all of your judgments you make, every last mendacious thing you think about, that also becomes your intention. That also becomes the summation of that is your intention. So we're sending that out and... That is being heard by other people all the time, and it is affecting them.
4: Right.
1: You know, <clears throat> this whole notion leads to the, the idea of sympathetic resonance, which I'd like to take up with you, but maybe let's let's take another call here first before we go on to that, okay? Sure. Um, Martha, on line five from Montreal, Canada. Montreal, Canada, I assume. Is that where you're from, Martha? Uh,
2: it's Martina, and yes, I'm calling from Montreal, Canada.
1: Well, I'm going to fix my glasses, Martina. I'm sorry. That's
2: okay. It's funny you should mention glasses because that relates to my question.
1: It does. Well, wonderful.
2: Yes. What when, is your question? When it comes to intention and visualizing, if I'm trying to visualize a person, something externally, that's pretty easy because we rely so heavily on our eyesight. But I'm at the point now where I'm starting to need reading glasses, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to visualize strengthening my eyes so I don't need reading glasses. So Mm -hmm. do I visualize the text on the page or do I visualize my eye muscles getting stronger because that's inside of me. I don't see it, and anatomically, I might not even be visualizing the right thing.
0: Okay. I think you visualize yourself. You can visualize all of these things as long as you're sending a message to your body that is saying, my eyes don't need glasses. My eyes are getting better. Um, you can imagine yourself uh, not using glasses. You can imagine yourself being able to read the page perfectly. You can imagine the page itself coming completely into focus. Um, I'll explain it also from what um, elite athletes do. They all use a thing called mental rehearsal, where they um, imagine themselves doing the activity, whether it's playing a game or a match or whatever, from their own perspective, using all their five senses, as though they were going through the eventual match or or game they're going to be playing. So maybe you do the same thing. Imagine it, you see the scene from your own perspective. So it's like you reading. So what you said before about imagining the words not being blurry, imagining them being totally in focus and you reading perfectly without glasses and not having to hold it halfway across the room. You know, imagine all of that and imagine being able to read the small print and go through various scenarios like that and just keep doing that every day. Okay.
2: All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for
1: calling, Martina.
2: I so appreciate your work.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: All right, Lynn. Tell us about this wine into water experiment.
0: Well, that was a bit of poetic license. Uh, I thought it might be kind of fun, particularly as uh, it was we conceived of it right around Christmas, and also uh, I was very uh, kind of astounded to see that we got uh, a prominent uh, mention and featuring in Dan Brown's new book, The Lost Symbol. Uh, right. He mentioned the intention experiment and me and the website, etc. And I was quite taken aback by that. So this was a little was there anything you didn't
1: him. like about it?
0: Not at all. I thought he did a spectacular job. I mean, he likes to take Fact and turned it into fiction, but right. all of the facts relating to the science of intention, of all all have a basis in fact. So, um, other than alchemy, which I haven't really looked at, all of the other, other aspects about the science of intention and the science of the field were all, you know, all based on real people with real experiments. So, so you I have wasn't... the
1: best-selling book ever, any place, and it's it's a handbill. Selling uh, your books, the intention <laughs> experiment, in the field—you gotta love that.
0: Uh, it was quite—it uh, was quite amazing. We didn't know know anything about it until the book came out, and it was—it was—it was quite astonishing for for me and for my husband because I just heard about it through my editor, who said, "I think you're you're part of this plot line." And um, in the lost symbol, and I didn't know what the lost symbol was. I had to Google it. And after I did and after I picked my jaw up off the floor and found it, you know, we got the book and we saw it all. But it was very kind of him to do that. Really nice.
3: Well,
1: Um, now, here's the real question, and we're running short on time, but here's the real question. Who's going to play you in the movie? (laughs)
0: I think I'd be happy if Tom Hanks holds the book up, Eldon, and, and says, hey, here's the intention experiment. But to answer your original question about water into wine, we're looking at a lot of studies about water. We've been doing, carrying out a lot of studies, and all of the studies on the intention experiment have a philanthropic idea. We're trying to we heal the About 30 the
1: seconds, so. Sorry. We have about 30 seconds. So Okay.
0: So do we've quick, been practicing, please. we've been practicing trying to lower pH and try to clean up polluted water. So that's what we do is ongoing experiments and if you'd like to take part, you just need to come on www.theintentionexperiment.com and be part of our intenders.
1: Right. Now, and everybody can sign up there and be a part of your intenders, right? It
0: doesn't cost anything. You just need to come on, and and then periodically we run them. We're going to have a big experiment with Masaru Omoto in late March, where we're actually trying to clean up a polluted lake in um, Japan, and we're getting people all around the world to take part.
1: All right. And that's the com. All right. Okay. Listen. Lynn McTaggart, we are thrilled that you joined us today. We've come to the end of another hour, however, of Provocative Enlightenment. And I want to thank everybody out there for joining us. And I hope you have enjoyed our show. And uh, do follow up. Do get a copy of Lynn's book. Do visit her website. Okay, thank you again. And as I paraphrase paraphrase every week, above all else, know thyself. Turn inward and know thyself.